Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. And I'm talking about old beef, beef jerky beef, old, old, ancient beef. I don't matter how talented you are, man. Like, that chemistry plays a big factor in teams actually winning everything at that level. None of the teams in the Western Conference are threatened by the Utah Jazz having the number one seed. We need to be on the same page. Will you look me in the eye? I want you to see me. I'm a person, not just a patient. Slow down. Take a breath. My mama wasn't going to buy me no drum set because she didn't want to hear that noise. <laughs> I mean, if I didn't get it in school, I just didn't get it. <laughs> Backstabbers. I got enemies all over the place, man. I got enemies <laughs> all over the place. So AD stay broke up, man. Let me holler at you. Hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, shorty. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. <laughs> Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You Ladies and gentlemen, start of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad to come to you guys and gals again. I have a great episode for you this time out. It's a whole lot of fun, and I want to thank you for tuning in for this particular episode. Now, if you are new to the show or if you haven't already, go to WaysWordProductions.com. That's WaysWordProductions.com, and listen to past episodes and really get an opportunity to get familiar with us and what we do here and some of the other things that I'm involved with. That's WaysWordProductions.com. Also, to make this as interactive as possible, I have set up a phone line for you guys. 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. And on social media, uh, at WageWord on Twitter, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D. And, of course, Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. So those are all the ways to sort of reach out, be interactive, be involved, Get connected, because that's what we like, right? Well, this time out, we have a couple of members from the special teams unit that will be joining us. Of course, we have a number of features, and we're going to get to those. But we have our very own Kalina. She's checking in on the Naomi Osaka situation with the French Open. And we have a very interesting discussion about that. And then, of course, our guy Eddie Robinson, E-Rob50, going to get his take on some baseball, some basketball, and maybe a little football. That's coming up as well. We have a Lamont Award for the big dummy of the episode. We have some headlines for you, and we have a mix from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, and, of course, we'll hear from our sponsor. So all of that's going on. So we are ready. I got us here quick. One more thing I want to mention, and this is really, really important, to make a contribution to the podcast, and we need those. Go to LiberaPay, L-I-B-E-R-A-P-A-Y, LiberaPay.com. All one word, LaBeerPay.com. Search for the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. And there you can make a safe and secure contribution to say, hey, you appreciate the uh, the programming. You appreciate what we do here. You appreciate our takes. You appreciate the information. And you enjoy what we do and you want us to keep going. So, again, LaBeerPay.com and search for the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast and go from there. Make that contribution, and we could use your help. So that's everything, right? And I did it quickly because I want to get right to it. I want to get into some headlines. In headlines, a lot of NBA stuff going on. But Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski of the Duke Blue Devils, announced his retirement today. Uh, he announced it today. won't happen until the end of the 21-22 season. So we have some time to sort of bid adieu to him. But that's uh, big news. It's not necessarily surprising. He has uh, sort of struggled last year. And it just is sort of it's getting old after 42 years at Duke and just things changing. COVID didn't help, I'm sure. And just all the stuff one and done. It seems about the right time for him to get out of the game. So that's happening. The other thing uh, that happened in the world of basketball besides playoffs, and we'll get into some NBA playoffs, the Boston Celtics. Now, how do you fail up? You, 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 you're not successful at what you do. 
or not as successful as you should be. I won't say you're not successful. You're not as successful as you should be. And some of it is your fault and some of it isn't. But because even despite the fact that you're not as successful as you should be, you get a promotion. Well, that's what happened to Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens will take over the, uh, I guess, the position of head of basketball operations for the Boston Celtics. And he's taking over for Danny Ainge, who announced his retirement. So a massive change, and that's something that we'll delve into. I'm sure that our guy Terrence Harris will have him on to talk a little bit about that because uh, he knows a lot more about the sort of the pulse of what's going on in Boston these days. So we'll get a take from him on that in the near future. So that's happening. The other couple of things that we want to get into in the playoffs – So the Los Angeles Lakers, it looks like (laughs) they may be done. They may not get out of the first round. They trailed three games to two to the Phoenix Suns. Bad, bad, bad loss last night without Anthony Davis, who was injured again. And uh, this time he was was monikered. He was nicknamed uh, Street Clothes by (laughs) Charles Barkley, which, again, I mean, it's funny, but, I mean, uh, he – Took a shot, but AD hurt again. This time a groin injury, so he didn't play, and the Lakers didn't play either. They were down by 30 at half. So much so, the LeBron James walks off the court with five and a half. Well, he, he leaves the court. Five and a half minutes left in the game. And he's seemingly getting a pass for this. He's seemingly getting a pass for this. And I, I, I really can't believe it. Because he left. The dude left his team. He didn't sit there and watch. I can, I can see if he didn't play. You mean he's older. He's, that high ankle sprain is still bothering him uh, by some accounts. But you stay with your team. And when you don't stay with your team, you get roasted. And, and you know, and that's how people feel. I remember Andre Johnson here. Left the field with 30 seconds left. Upset with the team, or a decision, a play call, or something that Bill O'Brien did, and he left. And he was pissed off, and they roasted him for that. LeBron James, this is half a quarter left. Half a quarter left in the game. And they said, oh, well, he went to go get treatment. Whatever. Really? Really? <laughs> so just that was not a good move. And it looks like the Lakers, again, they have to win two in a row. Anthony Davis may try to play next game out, but right now they're headed back to L.A. The Lakers trail three games to two. Uh, already uh, tonight, the Wizards eliminated. The Knicks eliminated. We'll have to see what happens uh, with the Grizzlies and the Utah Jazz. The Grizzlies could be eliminated uh, tonight as well. So that's going on. Uh, Dame Lillard, Damian Lillard uh, for the Portland Trailblazers had a huge night and a 147 to 140 loss to the Denver Nuggets. He had 55 points in double overtime. Just a, an amazing performance by him, and nobody saw it. I won't say nobody, but it wasn't a TNT game. It was an NBA TV game. So the masses were tuned in to TNT, I'm sure. And that game was sort of, uh, you know, the stepchild for the night, and it was put away. But nonetheless, great performance by Dame Lillard. Uh, that team, man, as fun a team to watch as uh, many teams in the NBA. And that series is an entertaining one to watch. And you know, I sort of have written that team, the Denver Nuggets, off because of Jamal Murray going out for the year. But who knows? If the Lakers go out, do you believe in the Clippers? Do you believe in the Mavericks? Do you believe in Utah? Do you believe in Phoenix? Who do you, who do you like? Who is the team? I mean, who do you believe in in the West? That's something we'll be talking about if the Lakers cannot get past the Phoenix Suns. I wondered, although a lot of people and people on this podcast said, no, the Lakers are not going to win it. I wonder what team could win four straight. Now, of course, you didn't anticipate Anthony Davis. Well, maybe you did anticipate Anthony Davis going down. But without him going down, you wondered, okay, I mean, still a top five player in this league, win healthy. We'll have to see. On the other side, Brooklyn Nets just looking invincible. Not quite invincible, but they're beating up, uh, they beat up a, an undermanned Boston Celtics team, and uh, they're rolling. They're about to get started with the Milwaukee Bucks. That's going to be a pretty good series, and let's see if Giannis Antetokounmpo can get something going and uh, redeem himself and have some postseason success against a team that maybe he's not supposed to beat. We'll have to see what happens there. But, you know, 
for me, it's been a lot about those Houston Astros. 30-24 and 24 on the season. They lead tonight over the Boston uh, Red Sox. And the three things, uh, let, me, let me give you the stats first. 30-24 and 24 on the season. They're half game back at Oakland in the AL West. Winners of three straight. But last night, Luis Garcia, who's now 4-3 and three on the season, he put together another tremendous start for the young fella. Last night, five hits, one run, six strikeouts versus Boston, and he controlled the heart of their lineup. The heart of their lineup is damn good by any stretch. You talk about uh, Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, and Raphael Devers. All of those guys went 0 for 4 last night. So he controlled the middle, the heart of that Boston Red Sox uh, lineup and did work. And, and look, this is coming off a performance where he had his longest outing previously was six innings, and he allowed two hits. One run and one walk and seven strikeouts and a 5-2 victory over the Los Angeles Dodgers. So this guy, Luis Garcia, is the biggest surprise on this team for me. And I listed three big surprises uh, for the Houston Astros to this point. But he has to be the biggest But with his performances. But he's been clutch because that bullpen has been – well, and let me – I'll get to the bullpen. But I'm telling you, this guy was really, really special and he really took some pressure. He, along with Zach Granke last time out, has taken some pressure off a bullpen that was really, really overworked uh, last week. And, again, uh, they're going to have to do something there. But let's talk about the three biggest surprises for the Houston Astros. Luis Garcia, I just mentioned. He's 4-3, and three, and he could have had a couple, at least a couple more wins on the season if things had went his way. But he's pitched well for him all season long. Yuri Gurriel is the guy that is a huge surprise for this team after last season. Last season, he had 211 at-bats. He batted .232 with an on-base percentage of .658. He had 22 RBIs, six home runs. Already this season, 181 at-bats. He's batting .304, 38 RBIs, um, seven home runs, on-base percentage of .881. This dude, and when you put him with a healthy Jordan Alvarez, Man, that is the gift that keeps on giving because you have him. You already you can count on Altuve. He's going to get his. You can count on Bregman. You can count on Correa. This offense can keep up with any and all of Major League Baseball when healthy. But Brantley is out. Alvarez just missed six games. He came back uh, well. Uh, and so, you know, if they can and stay healthy, they'll be, all right. uh, they'll be all right. They'll have to make some changes because the third biggest surprise on the team is how uh, the bullpen has just really not gotten it done for the Astros. You're talking about a uh, bullpen that's already allowed, uh, I think, what, 25 home runs already? You have a guy like uh, in Brooks Raley uh, with uh, 6.95 ERA. You have Andre Scrub, who's just living up to the name. <laughs> no, I don't want to take shots. I don't want him to Kwame Brown me. But his ERA is 7.62. I mean, it's not good, and something's going to have to happen. Had even had a couple of blown sla- saves uh, from the close of Presley. So they have some issues. So we'll have to keep an eye on that, but it's all about those Astros. Give me a take on that, 832-941-6614. With that, going to take a brief time out. Come back. I want to talk about Naomi Osaka, and then we'll get into a conversation with our very own Kalina. This is Sports Talk with Devin Wade Podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance, and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages 6 weeks to 5 years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit brighterbrainslearningcenter.org. It's Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade.
Welcome back, and uh, we're going to get to our conversation with Kalina. Uh, but I wanted to recognize and acknowledge baseball for something that they have done today. They have days named after three players, Jackie Robinson Day, Roberto Clemente Day, and today was Lou Gehrig Day around baseball, which is great because obviously he's the Iron Man of baseball. Of course, many, 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 many years later, Cal Ripken broke that record, uh, the the uh, consecutive games record that Lou Gehrig uh, set early. I mean, what I don't know what year that was, but. Uh, early in the 20th century or uh, whatever I, in the, I, I guess in the 30s 40s maybe i i, I need to get the, i need to know that because i've seen the pride of the yankees i've cried the pride of the yankees if you want to and this is a movie that they don't talk about when they talk about great sports movies pride of the yankees pride, look for it pride of the yankees if you've never seen it gary cooper you have to see it pride of the yankees I'm telling you, it's nostalgic. It's based on a true story. You have a, a cameo from the real Babe Ruth. It was, but but beyond all of that, of course, he died of ALS. And I don't know if you're familiar with the today. I feel like 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 the luckiest man, man, man on the face of the earth, earth, earth. But I mean, again, heart wrenching speech, heart wrenching movie, heart wrenching set of circumstances for one of the greatest place baseball players in history and, of, of course, one of the top Yankees ever. But he died of ALS. Let me see if I know it. Let me see. I used to know it. Um, uh, you know what? I, I can't. <laughs> I can't remember it. But I just knew. I mean, you talk about a horrific disease. Uh, we talk about that there's a, a number of high-profile people who've had it. Glenn Montgomery uh, of the Houston Oilers got it and passed away from it. Other players, other uh, athletes, other people in all walks of life have gotten ALS. And uh, and it's just, a, a, I mean, you talk about, look, you can't choose your malady. You can't choose how you leave the earth. But I can tell you that is one, uh, one disease that is just, it horrifies me. It terrifies me. And I just, you know, if you get an opportunity to support ALS and Lou Gehrig's disease, you should. Arteriolateral sclerosis, is that close? I should know this. I do know this. I'm just having a moment. But with that, uh, I want to talk about Naomi Osaka. Naomi Osaka has uh, withdrawn from the French Open. So here's how all of these things played out. And, and we get into it with Kalina here. So essentially, she said that she was not... she went on social media and said, released a statement saying that she would no longer, because of her anxiety and just the depression, she could no longer do post-match press conferences. She just, it just, I mean, I'm paraphrasing briefly and badly, but she just couldn't do it because it was just too mentally overwhelming and depressing for her. And that was that. Of course, the French Open, who didn't hear from her directly. That was a mistake by Naomi's, team's fault i won't even just always put it on her I always put it on her although ultimately she's in charge didn't communicate with the french open they got heavy-handed with it they're like okay we're gonna find you then you had wimbledon and the other grand slam events say no you are going to talk and she went and played her first match didn't talk was fined fifteen thousand dollars and then uh, she chunked him a deuce she said nah i'm gonna step away because I'm depressed. It almost it reminds me of a situation like this. And this is what I think happened to tennis. And, and I'll tell you why I don't have a total problem initially with, although they should have known. They really should have known who they were dealing with. This is your world. The tennis world is your world. You have a sense of who the people are that participate, especially the, the highest profile people. In your sport. You know who those people are. You know things about them. You have to. So the French Open, the folks at the French Open sort of remind me of. You ever had a situation where you tell a kid, oh, a kid falls down. And you're like, oh, man, get up. That's nothing. And then you realize later on, oh, the kid needs stitches. <laughs> you're like, oh, oh, my bad. And I think that's what happened with the French Open. They were like, oh, you, oh, you don't want to talk? Oh, you, you want to get diva with us? Oh, $15,000 fine. Oh, I'm you dropping out? Oh, you really are. You really do have 
some mental health uh, considerations. And, and I think that they have to backpedal majorly. I think all the Grand Slams need to backpedal majorly. So here's the root of why I think they came out so hard. I think that for those of us who are old enough, and I'm not quite old enough, but I, I, I remember – Billie Jean King, certainly. But when the WTA was formed, when they were the Virginia Slams tournaments and all that, when they were trying to, to start the women's circuit in tennis, they needed, they desperately, and they still need all the media attention that they can get. And I think that there's a misunderstanding about the role of media on the landscape. People just, I think they are kind of anti-media in a lot of ways and not really realizing how important the media are to all sports. I think it's easy to say, oh, this is a bad actor. These, oh, they, they say all these negative things. But you try being a league that does not get media attention. You try being at a university. You try being a, a fledgling league that doesn't get, you can't get television coverage. You can't get radio coverage. You can't, you get a small paragraph in the back of the sports section, I guess. Or, or, or you know, you're at the bottom of the, the page for clicks. You need that traction. You just don't. You cannot build. I mean, if you understand what sports media does, it provides billions, literally billions of dollars in free advertising for these leagues. And it creates interest where there would not otherwise be. Once you hear stories and hear about uh, people, get to know them like you've heard about her story. If you are a fan of Naomi Osaka, it's because you've. Not only, yeah, I mean, you have a percentage who just love the way she plays. But I think more importantly, you know her story. You know a little bit about her background. You know how she stood up for Black Lives Matter. You know she utilized her relationship and her, her, her status with the media to illuminate that topic. And she spoke on that and did a tremendous job. I love what uh, Naomi Osaka has done for the sport of tennis and for herself. She's just... Really, really an interesting person that you want to hear more from. And if you hear more from, I mean, if you know more about her, you'll be more likely to tune in whenever you see her on television. You're like, oh, let me watch her. Let me check in on the French Open to see what Naomi's doing. We already do it for Serena. But that's because the media has presented her story. She, People have written about her and, and done all sorts of stories about her and profiled her. So it's necessary to have media attention. And look, tennis is not the uh, probably the seventh, eighth, ninth biggest sport in America. I don't know. I would have to count them down. But it's not. It's a, sort of a niche sport. And now you have your biggest stars aging out. When you talk about Serena, and then on the men's side, you have Nadal, Djokovic, and and uh, Federer all getting old. You need that new star, those new stars, to captivate the viewing audience. Naomi Osaka is one of those, for sure. And so you want to want those people to, to have a great relationship with the media. But what they didn't understand is that this is a legit situation. And she's really not well as it pertains to dealing with this part of the job. And... I know a lot more and been exposed to a lot more about mental illness than 80, 90% of people. And it's a real thing. And it's not a thing where you can snap out of it. You have to go through therapy. And in some cases, you have to be medicated. You have to treat that like any other illness. And I think for her to step away, I think it's important for her mental health. And the wonderful thing about all of this is that Last year alone, she earned $55 million. So she needs to step away. She has the resources and the time to do that. I think what we'll have to get adjusted to as sports fans moving forward is that some of these careers will not be as long because the grind, that not just the game itself, but everything that comes with it is such a, it's so costly. And I think uh, that we will see people get rewarded financially pretty quickly, and then they'll make a decision that there was, it's in my best interest to get out of the game. Let me let me take my ball and go home. And I hope this is not the end for her. I hope she plays in Wimbledon, but I certainly hope that she plays in the Olympics. We'll have to see. And we'll have to see what modifications are made by all of these organizations as it pertains to dealing with mental illness. But mental illness is real. 
And I hope that she gets the help that she needs. But I wanted to get Kalina's take because Kalina, uh, and I'll let her tell you. Here's our, our conversation with our very own from the special teams unit, Kalina. As I mentioned before, from the special teams unit, our very own Kalina. And from time to time, she chimes in, not as much as we would like her to, but she's chiming in again because I wanted to get her take on the Naomi Osaka story. Obviously, it is, it's making news all over the world. She drops out of the French Open after previously stating that she was no longer going to participate in the media sessions, the post-match media sessions. Hence, uh, there was some pushback from all of the Grand Slam events. She was fined $15,000 and promptly, promptly dropped out and really just blew the whole thing up by dropping out of the French Open. Uh, what is your take? Uh, I'm, I'm, I have a little bit more nuanced take on it than probably uh, you do, but what's your take on the entire situation? You know, I've been thinking about this really deeply for a, a bit, and um, I think it ultimately comes down to, do you believe that mental health matters? If the answer is no, then yeah, absolutely. She needs to shut up. She needs to suck it up and go do her job. If the answer is yes, then there needs to be resources provided for her. There needs to be a little bit of leeway or there, there's a million other ways that this could have been handled in a, in a mature and uh, adult way. And instead, you know, she gets fined and she feels like she needs to drop out. Okay. So initially she announced that she would no longer do these post-match press conferences on her social media. It's my understanding she never reached out or was never uh, accessible to the people of the French Open. Did she handle it the right way? Should she have reached out directly to the folks at the French Open as opposed to releasing that statement on social media? Oh, sure. I think there are things that she could have done to handle that a little bit differently. And also... Um, you know, I don't, <laughs> again, if this is all about mental health, then I don't know what situation she's going through. We don't necessarily handle things correctly when we're going through a situation. Um, and so, but I, yes, I agree with you. I think that there could have been different ways. I mean, a manager could have spoken with them for goodness sakes, an agent. It didn't have to be through social media and like the way that she did. So it gets to very complicated, layered conversations about mental health. What is just uncomfortable and I don't want to do it versus it creates anxiety in me? Because I would imagine for most people, and I, the, can, athletes are conditioned, so they've been through this too, uh, throughout their career. But for most people, a media session would be, will create a ton of anxiety. Uh, what's the difference between just the natural anxiety that comes in such a setting and someone clearly coping with more severe mental health uh, issues? Devin, I got a lot of answers for this one. Because <laughs> this is what I've been, I've been struggling with this question myself, honestly. Um, because... Uh, on the one hand, this is some, and I'm a millennial and I have anxiety and social anxiety that I'm being treated for. This is some real millennial type stuff <laughs> to be like, I, I have a mental health situation and I need to like completely shut down this part of my life. And a, a big part of me was like, it's interesting that you can go play, but you can't go talk to these people for however long you're supposed to go talk to them. And I start thinking about myself and my and when I dealt with depression, when I dealt with anxiety, at some point, I got to go to work and I got to do the thing, it, despite how uncomfortable it makes me feel or like how horrible I feel. Now, on the other side, being that millennial with anxiety, like one, that's a question for her doctor that nobody, none of us, let, let me be clear about that. None of us can really sit back with where we are and be like, she should or should not do this because the only person that understands her mental capability and where she's at right now is a mental health professional and it ain't me and it's not you. And so I don't, I think that line is tricky because it depends on where she's at. So do you think the French open could have responded in a way that may have led to her continuing 
with this and maybe making some accommodations about how she handled uh, the post-match uh, press, press conferences? 1,000%. We see this in other companies. I saw this on Twitter. They were like, you would have been, it would have been so much easier if, you would, if they would have just said, we're so sorry to hear about that. Here's the counselor and you can take a day and maybe like, let's work with you on how you can actually respond to these journalists. So maybe it's through email or maybe you video your answers or something like that. There could have been any number of ways that they could have gotten around this instead of demanding that she go and, and do these press conferences and then fining her because now it's making this this chasm where there doesn't need to be one. Like you turn out to be the good guy if across the board for all of your players, you start instituting, okay, if you have an issue, then here are the things that we're going to start doing to help you out, but also to help us out and to make sure that we get what we need as well. well so they, mean, come out look, they come out looking like the bad guy. Yeah, I think they do come out looking like the bad guy because I think they responded in a very heavy-handed way. Do you think it had anything to do, and, and I almost am reluctant to ask this question, but do you think it's a, a cultural insensitivity to her needs and maybe they would have responded differently to someone else? Or is this just uh, a, an institution acting like institutions do, which are slow to change and slow to adapt? I think it's a really interesting question. Um one that I hadn't thought about, I, I for sure think this is an institutional thing. Um, a thousand percent. I think that, you know, we're doing the things the way that they've been done and you are, you're messing that up. And so we're just going to do the things that we've always done. You're going to get a fine and we're going to blast you. Um, I will say, I didn't think of this in a cultural way. I did think of this. Well, what if this was a man? What if this was Rob McEnroe having the 20th, hissy fit he was and then one day john what if this, yeah. john sorry yeah. what if john um what if this was john McEnroe, and he he all of a sudden stopped having these hissy fits and he said you know what i i need to go i need to take some time off so as soon as i play i need to go to like my doctor or something or whatever well, they, I can tell you, they would. I can tell you, they would have because they did. They find him hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe not hundreds of thousands, but tens of thousands of dollars through the course of his uh, his career for activities on and uh, off the court. So, yeah, he well, he got his. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, no, sure, of course he did. But I'm talking about now. We're here. We're in the twenty 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 one, and so with all this information that you know now, why are you going to? Why are you going to work against yourself in this area? We're talking about mental health. If this were physical health, we'd be having a different conversation. If this were something that you could see, we'd be having a different conversation. But instead, like, I, I don't know. It, it just, I feel like doctors could have been pulled in. Um, behavioral scientists could have been pulled in. Anybody but wouldn't that have been on her part to say, hey, you know, I, I mean, and again, I'm just just I'm asking because I'm just interested in your take. Uh, wouldn't that, the onus be on her to say, hey, here are my folks that are available to sort of explain to you what I am going through? Or, or is that something that you're not obligated to do on your job? Because that's, no, that's an interesting dynamic there. No, no, no. Of course. Again, I think. I think this could have been handled differently um, uh, because honestly, I, don't, I can't get away with that at my job. I can't just be like, I, I'm not going to do the second half of my day. Goodbye. And, and like tweet it out. Like <laughs> I have to go to my boss. I have to explain myself. I have to make a, a, a plan for the future. Like how am I going to pass off my work and how am I going to come back into work? And so I think, you know, just because you're a tennis player, you don't get a pass. Or I shouldn't say it like that because they have a lot of hard work. But because you're a celebrity tennis player, you don't get a pass. You still got to go through the systems. I think it's a, it's a give and take, Devin. There's things that she could have done differently to um, make this transition a little bit easier for her and maybe gotten into their good graces. And there's things they could have done differently to show themselves as advocates and allies to people with mental health issues um, and into the mental health uh, world in general. And then also to be supportive as an employer 
to these uh, to these athletes, to all of these athletes. I want to ask you, because you mentioned this, your anxiety, your social anxiety, yet you are a performer who's performed in front of thousands of people. How do you balance that? Or how can you make people kind of understand, like, I can just hear, you know, oh, how can you have anxiety when you, you know, you volunteer to, or not necessarily, I mean, this is your occupation, but you volunteer to go, go out on stage and perform in front of thousands of people, yet uh, the, you have social anxiety. Sort of explain to people the dynamic of that and, and how can, those two things can exist, your, your need and your ability to perform in front of thousands, yet you have tremendous anxiety and social anxiety at times. Yeah, I mean, I think... Well, the, the first main thing is that everybody has a different trigger. So like a really big one for me is um, being in a group of people and Kalina has to speak. So not words that have been given to me and not me being on a stage that's six, ten feet away from you. It's Devin asked Kalina a question about her life. And for me, that's really terrifying. I think it's important to note that our anxiety is not a choice. It's not so, like if we could work around it and a lot of us do therapy and a lot of us take medication, then we would like if, if there was a fix, we'd fix it. Nobody wants to feel intense pain in their chest, a sense of dread that sometimes can lead to depression and prolonged depression. And when you're in the midst of that anxiety because somebody said something that seemed offhand to, offhanded to them, but you took it personally, or there's too many people, or you don't have enough space and you need more room, any of those little triggers that some of us have, like... It's just, it just is. <laughs> Anxiety is. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the short answer. So uh, how do you see this thing playing out? This year, a young lady is only 22 years old. She has Wimbledon coming up in four weeks. I don't know if she'll participate. And more importantly, I'm sure for her, is representing Japan in the Olympics in uh, later this summer. Uh, how do you see any of this playing out? And what should take place moving forward? Well, here's what I wish for her. Um, I wish that she would get help if she has not already from a mental health professional and anybody she needs to get help from. Um, I also wish slash hope that she takes some time off. Like if this is debilitating to the point where it is her affecting her job, then I think that she needs to just take some time away. And that is perfectly fine. Um, I think maybe her point is that these hard and fast rules about what must happen. So specifically you must talk to the press. I think she's making a point there that some of that should go away to, um, you know, that's more old school and there needs to be more flexibility. Um, but honestly, I would like to see that if this is really an issue for her help that she needs. And so maybe that means Wimbledon is not on the table. Maybe if it's really that bad, maybe that means the Olympics aren't on the table whatever it is that she needs to do to get well. However, in my, in my heart of hearts, I don't feel like it may be that type of issue. I, I do think maybe she just needs to like take a small sabbatical, a couple weeks, get right, come back and, and uh, you know, take on Wimbledon. Yeah, well, I, and I, I would imagine, and just about judging, as an outsider, just judging the tone, I don't, doesn't feel like she's going to come back from Wimbledon. And I, I can tell you this. Now, if she thinks she's been to a press conference at the French Open or Wimbledon or the U.S. Open, well, just wait till she gets to the Olympics when it's a whole different animal. So we'll have to see. And, again, you have COVID to deal with there, and I don't know how they'll handle things. Uh, so it'll be very complicated uh, for the next two major events for her. Uh, so we'll have to see what she ultimately decides to do. Uh, but she is uh, really a tremendous talent. But more importantly, you just want a young person – to be healthy and and happy and you know living their best life if that means uh without tennis then you know we're deprived of her skills but hey so it goes i mean she has to do what's best for her um before you get out of here what what do you have going on how can folks reach out to you on social media yeah you can still reach me on twitter i'm at at so underscore s 
And, uh, you know, Facebook and also on Instagram at SoCali. So, yeah, I'm around. And you're doing your yoga thing. So, you, or should I say namaste to you? What, what does that mean, <laughs> by the way? What does that mean? Namaste? Yeah. You know, I don't know. They didn't teach that part. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you got to learn the jargon. You know what I mean? I do. I know Ohm. How about that? Okay. That's a, yeah. So, all right. Well, one of these days, I, I'm going to show up in your... Yoga class. Give you a oh, special when, project. When, when Devin shows up to my yoga class, there will be video. There will be audio. I will post it everywhere just for y'all. The downward dog. <laughs> I've heard the poses. So, yeah. I mean, you make it look appealing. I mean, I mean, everybody makes it look appealing. And, you know, you've heard. I've heard former athletes and athletes swear by it. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Keep doing your thing with yoga. And we hope to catch up with you soon. Thanks so much, Devin. For past episodes or more content, go to wadeswordproductions.com. As always, appreciate hearing from Kalina. Going to take a time out here from Cobank Homes and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, on the mix. And we'll come back with Eddie Robinson and the Lamont Award. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and Cobank Homes. The vision at Cobank Homes is simple. And it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832 757 7950. That's 832-757-7950. Cobank Homes through Keller Williams. DJ Anarchy, and if you get an opportunity to check him out on SoundCloud or around town, around the city of Houston, he's a bad, bad man. Check him out. Let him know you've heard him on the podcast. That's DJ Anarchy. So check him out on IG. Check him out on IG, on SoundCloud, and uh, look for him on social media. So he, he's out there. He's doing his thing. And if you have music and you want to play it on the podcast, you certainly can. Just email us, music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. The genre doesn't matter. We want it to be radio, relatively radio edit. And we'll play a portion at the halfway point or an extended portion of a mix at the halfway point and an, the entire track on an extended portion uh, of the mix at the end of the episode um before the als okay let me get this right amotrophic lateral sclerosis i got the lateral sclerosis right i wasn't even close on the first part so on the first word amyotrophic lateral sclerosis close as i'm gonna get without looking it up on youtube so there's that astros win astros win framber valdez it's my man he's doing his thing second start did work Held the uh, Red Sox to one run. So the Astros do win, and they got it done. And, of course, Eddie, you'll find out in just a second, but Eddie's going tomorrow. Had a chance to talk to him just a little bit ago, and here is what our guy, E-Rob 50, had to say.
Oh, uh, got E Rob 50. Eddie Robinson back in the building. How you been, Ed? Oh, man, everything's going pretty good on my end. What about you? Good, man. Just a, a lot of baseball. A lot of baseball on my end. Some NBA playoffs as well. A little tennis with the Naomi Osaka situation. Uh, a lot of different things going on. But let's start with the Houston Astros. Houston Astros, 30-24. and 24. They're coming off a, uh, a big-time win again against Boston last night. Luis Garcia came up big. They're rolling now. Three in a row. The half game out of first place. How much Astros have you been watching these days? Well, actually, I'm going to the Boston Red Sox games. You know, I love the day game. So, I mean, the Thursday, the businessman special at 1 o'clock, you're going to catch me there. I don't care who the Astros playing. So, they so got I'm going to go see Boston in person, and I, I see how they do. But, I, you know, baseball is so early right now. You're just trying to keep pace with everybody else and not get injured. And, uh, you know, June, July kind of muddles along, and then, August, September, you kind of pick it up and see what you got. But I think the Astros are in a good position. Um, I think they have a, a, still a, a good nucleus of core players. And, of course, baseball is all about pitching. So if you can if you can find some pitching at the right time. But there's nothing that you're doing in May and June that's going to tell me you're a good team or not in September, October. So. Well, <laughs> I think you can show up some things. And, I, I mean, clearly we see the offensively they're doing well. Uh, some injuries, obviously. Uh, Guriel is back. Um, Brantley's still out. And so, you know, you have guys in and out of the lineup. And then the uh, Framber Valdez starting tonight versus the Red Sox, his second start back, uh, his th- second start of the season. So he's he's back. So, uh, again, just been keeping an eye on them. Alvarez, Jordan Alvarez was out for about six days with a wrist, you know, a wrist injury. So uh, they have a lot going on uh, there. But by and large, they're, they're weathering the storm, and then they're going to have to address the bullpen. So as we get further into the summer and closer to the trade deadline, they're going to going to have to make some moves uh, in that bullpen because they just – I mean, the starting ERA is like second in the major leagues in, over the last month, month and a half, yet they've blown so many saves and they've given up, what, 25 home runs in that bullpen already. So what about your Yankees? I hadn't checked on your Yankees. What are your Yankees doing? I know that well, the, the Tampa was been, running through. They've been up and down topsy-turvy. They, they had a stretch of playing really good baseball. Then they dropped a couple to the, to the Detroit Tigers, which was a surprise and – not in the series with Toronto. Actually, they have Boston coming up and uh, in Tampa right now. So yeah, they're in they're in a, a tough little part of the schedule where you're playing a lot of you know teams from the, the uh, Eastern Divi- Eastern Division. And so it, it can it can go either way because you know those games and when you're playing Toronto and Tampa and uh, it can really in Boston it can really move you up or down really quick. But it's it's the same thing. I mean they're waiting for Sevy to come back and. And Herman is pitching pretty good. Uh, and Cole is, is pitching lights out. But the offense has been sputtering. It's, it's, it's good one night, and then it gets shut out the next. So I think the biggest thing is with the Yankees, there's so many injuries. You know, of course, uh, Giancarlo is, is, is hurt once again. But the biggest thing is keeping everybody healthy. And I think the Astros are kind of on that same thing. I mean, if you, if you look at the Astros lineup, if, if everybody's fully healthy with Gary Allen and everybody, I mean, they can hit with anybody in the league. But, but like you're saying, they're going to have to make – some major trade moves to try to get uh, some middle relievers and, and, and those guys that can really finish a ball game because you know, once you get into playoff baseball, a good batting lineup, they're just going to grind up your starter. And, and even if he gets through five or six, they're going to make sure that pitch count gets high. If they know you don't have a bullpen, they'll get to that bullpen. And then it's, it's downhill from there. Yeah, yeah. And and so they have some issues uh, because these guys are B-lack and them, those guys have not really performed well enough. But let's shift gears to talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs. I know, I mean, it looks like Brooklyn is the team to beat. They're rolling. But, again, Boston is not. I mean, they were down Jalen Brown, and they just they just weren't the team. So now you have a situation where Brad Stevens is moving up. <laughs> he, he failed right. up, and now you're hiring a new head coach. As Danny Ainge exits the building. Stevens will take over basketball operations for the Celtics. But the big story, I think, uh, are the Lakers. Uh, the, the, the Lakers, uh, the one game away from elimination, down 3-2 to the Phoenix Suns. No Anthony Davis. LeBron, he leaves the court five, five and a half minutes early. It's just not going well. They got blown out big time last night. Can they come back and win two in a row versus uh, this Phoenix Suns team? Well, I, I think without Anthony Davis, it'll be hard pressed. And, and LeBron is, you know, you kind of look at you know, LeBron is like at that that legacy point right now. It's like, okay, where did you where do you rate me at all time? Can I get another championship? I have a whole lot of losses, but can I get another championship? And it 
and it doesn't seem like it's in the cards. And then you're always going to have that asterisk on that COVID title, if you ask me, because that was kind of iffy, short season, playing in the bubble, et cetera, et cetera. Does it really count? So, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't see the Lakers making a move, even if they some kind of way, you know, get to game seven and win it. And do you really think they can get out the West and win a championship? And I think LeBron is only judged now about can you win a championship or not? And the Lakers are too, for the most part, because you, you got Anthony Davis, you, you got LeBron James and put this team together. And it's a team that that's goal is to win championships, not to come in second, not to get to conference finals. Well, you know, and I'm, uh, with the Lakers going out, well, I mean, again, it's premature. But if they do go out, it opens up the West. And we're probably looking at a team you wouldn't anticipate going uh, to the NBA Finals. I mean, you're looking at a team like it could be Dallas. It could be Denver. It could be Portland. I mean, I don't know. What do you – I mean, it could be Utah or Phoenix. Uh, how do you – who do you like once the Lakers – if the Lakers are eliminated, <laughs> who do you like in the West? So, so you're saying that the the Rockets should have kept everybody together just one more year, and we might have could have got out of it. Hey. Super <laughs> but anyway, so we're gonna move forward with that story. But yeah, I mean, I I mean, I really like Dallas. I mean, I, I think I think they're a team that 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 have like some young players that can that can really make us step up really quick. And I, I think they have the talent. You know, do they have the experience and the poise and, and the playoff experience? I think that's the biggest thing with those guys. But I mean, yeah, like you said, it's, it's kind of wide open, which makes it exciting for the fans and the cities involved because you don't know who will have a chance to, to really get there. But you know, you know, Brooklyn is definitely the team to beat. And if they stay healthy with everybody playing the way they're playing, I mean, they can they can have off nights and still beat you. And so and when they have an on night, they're almost unstoppable offensively. So it, I don't know if there's a team that can put a, put a defensive effort up to really slow down what Brooklyn has to offer. But don't you just resent the hell out of James Harden? Like, I really, like, that's, it's really unfair what he did to City Houston. It really is. You sat there and you sabotaged this organization. And again, they let him do it. But you sabotaged this organization for years and then you leave because they can't win after you essentially ruined the team. And so now you're going. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I, I, I still have the number 13 jerseys where my son does. And, and, I, and I still allow him to wear it. I'm, I'm not going to be a, a James Harden basher because I feel like, you know, as a season ticket holder for the, like the last 10 years, I, I can speak on this. I've, I've seen James play plenty of nights and the guy plays hard. And, and I don't, you know, get into the playoffs the first time him learning how to put a team on his back those type of things that's a transition and i think he started to warm up to that you know the chris paul years you had a couple injuries at the end so it was you know you played you lost against some super teams i mean you lost against golden state with with a durant it really was a super team and so i i think if you look at the whole history of him in houston I look at it as a very positive light, and I thought the guy played hard night in and night out. And that's all you can really ask. Yeah, I, I it, don't want to see him it, win the championship. Yeah, it's no, it's no guarantee that you're going to win the championship. And the way he exited, if you think, hey, man, you know what? This thing is going south. And me being a modern-day player in the post-LeBron, I'm taking my talent to South Beach era because, I mean, he started all of it. And so of the of the combination of super teams, I'm just going to leave and, and, and go match up with somebody else. Well, that's the era that I'm playing in. So if I'm Harden and I'm playing in that era and I want to win the championship, then I'm going to do what the other guys ahead of me done have done. And that's to manipulate the situation. And I'm going to get all of the marbles in, in, in my side of the game and then I'm going to try to win. And that's what he did. So I, I can't really blame Harden for using the system the way other players have already used it. I mean, nobody – but they did – criticize KD for going to match up with another MVP and win two championships with, with Golden State. But for the most part, he's been praised for, hey, man, this guy's a two-time NBA champ. Nobody's really beat him up about it. So if I'm Harden, why wouldn't I do the same thing if I have the opportunity? So that's how I look at it. Well, like I said, I'm not rooting for Harden in this situation. Because it's not – the closer it comes to, to, to this maniacal plan working, I'm like, you know what, that's really – that's just really a trash move. And I'm old school and I can't – I'm not going to apologize for wanting him to, to to stick with his own organization. He, you know, he had the keys to the city. But I, I'll get off of that. I want to ask you a couple things. Julio Jones looks like he's on his way out for sure coming up this week. Tennessee is rumored. A couple other places are rumored. How much do you think Julio Jones has left? And, and what would he do for a team like Tennessee if he if he got on that roster? 
Well, I think he still has something left in the tank. And the thing about those big play wide receivers like that, you're only looking for a big play here or there. It's more of a down the stretch type deal. And you, and you want to keep him healthy for the big games and for the playoffs, but one-on-one he can outmatch most corners. So I don't, I don't know if you want your corner playing Julio Jones one-on-one in a crucial third down situation. So you're just looking for him to make a big catch here or there. You're not, you're not asking the guy to put up 80 catches, but he can definitely put up 40. And if he can put up eight touchdowns, you don't think he's, he's 80, uh, 80 catch guy. Still, come on, man. Not, not now. I mean, injuries what do you have will not last allow year? What do you, what Injury, is? injuries will not allow Julio Jones. I, we can bet the over under on that today. I mean, I, I'm, I'm well, taking let me, those. Let, let me see where he goes first, and then I'll get. I mean, uh, he put it like this: he's an 80 catch guy if healthy, but Julio Jones is not a healthy guy. I mean, he's he's not going to play 16 games. History has shown that, and so. But I don't need him to catch 80. I need him to catch about 40 or 50. I need him to catch three or three or four big ones a game. That's all I need. I mean, he's a, he's a big play guy, and I'm going to ration out his minutes. So, yeah, I think he can definitely help a team like Tennessee if you don't try to, you know, overwork him and make sure that you get the maximum benefit out of him, which is down the stretch. I mean, you, I mean, Tennessee is that team that you're <clears> right there at the edge. of. We're, we're a playoff team. We're a playoff contender. We're, we're a, a division contender year after year. And so now the goal is, can we win a championship? And he's a guy that, that may be that big play guy in the playoffs that can help you win a championship. Well, I want to, uh, before let you, we let you get out of here, I want to ask you about uh, the French Open and Naomi Osaka and uh, and the pressures that come with having to face the media. It's, it's a little bit different for team, guys in team sports, like football guys. You yeah, know, absolutely. you can have a day yeah. where you can dip off and, and somebody else can, unless you're like the quarterback. But by and right. large, you you know, it's not quite the same. But you 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 can relate to it better than other people having to sit there and be asked a, a ton of questions. What's your take on how all of that has, has taken place? Well, you know, I really applaud, applaud her. I mean, first of all, I'm a, a fan of hers. I mean, other than she keeps – beating Serena and Serena can't break the record, but I mean, Hey, I can't, I can't blame her for, for not for that, winning, right, right. but, but I mean, I love her as a player and I think it's, it's huge on her part to take a stand. Now, if she says she has some mental health issues, then that's a very personal thing. That's a private matter. So I shouldn't have to describe exactly what my mental health issues are or how they're affecting me. So if I tell you, I have mental health issues that, are preventing me from fulfilling my task as far as the interviewing process, then you should make, to me, some special accommodations for that. So if I'm the French Open, well, hey, what about doing it over Zoom? What if we limited it to three reporters? What, they didn't give her any options as far as I know to well, say, well, okay, yeah. and so he, how can... You're right. and here's what the report was, that essentially she never came to the French Open. People, she did the release on her social media, when they tried to reach out to her, they were unable to connect with her on that issue. And so no one was able to talk to her or talk about it to even come to some sort of resolution. That That's my understanding of sort of what took place. Now, then they responded very heavy handed, like. Correct. Uh, and, and, and I was, you know, that was. Right. So, but, so, but my thing is once you, once you come up with a medical reason, and, and, of course, mental health is very vague, but you can't tell me what my mental health status is and my ability to perform that task of those interviews. And it can be very stressful. So I'm telling you I have anxiety. I mean, I'm, I'm just going by the statements that I've read from, from Osaka. Right. And so, but from the French Open standpoint, I mean, to me, of course, she's one of the stars of tennis. You want her in the tournament. But I don't think you can come with the with the draconian threats of, hey, if you don't do this, we're going to find you. Well, OK, well, that's nice because most of the tennis players, you find them 20,000, then they're going to go to the next interview. But she's fortunately at a spot economically where she can say, all right, I'll pay you 20,000. I'm still not going to do your interview. So now what? So that's like, we're going to put you out the tournament. All right, well, I'm going to leave before you put me out. So, I mean, I applaud her for doing so because. It should have been handled differently, maybe on her part and the French Open's part. But you can't make a person do something if they're telling you that I have a mental health issue or whatever her issue is. You should have went to her more of a like, well, let's try to resolve this and accommodate your your issue as opposed to we're going to make you do this or else we're going to put you out the tournament. So, I mean, I, I, I think she did the right thing, in my opinion. I think athletes are starting to 
to really stand up for themselves and say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm not just a, a combatant on the field. I have a voice and I'm an opinion and I'm a person and you're going to treat me like one. So that I, I think she did the right uh, thing. Yeah, although I don't think she was handled rough by the media. I mean, she like, no, they're not having treated her like LeBron. And I mean, so I'm, but so I, don't, that, I, don't think, I don't think she was, I don't think her complaint was so much from, from what I've took from it was so much a complaint about the way the media was treating her. It was the way that she was able to handle the stress and anxiety of the media. Right. And so that's something that can be, and like you said, tennis is an individual sport. So all of the questions are about me. You know what I'm saying? There's not, you can't really say, well, hey, man, your coach made a bad call and then it kind of put you guys in a bad situation. Now nah, it's you. You know what I'm saying? Right, <laughs> like, right, right. You didn't play good. So, I mean, so that's, that's a true individual sport. And, it's, and there's no one else to blame. You know, me being a linebacker, I can say, yeah, well, you know, the, the D-line, you know, our pass rush was a little off today. Or, yeah, yeah, the offense didn't do this. You know, and we, we can pick it up here or there. So it's, it's a lot of blame to go around when you're in a team sport. But in an individual sport, it's like all of that blame goes on your shoulder, especially when you have the expectations that she has on herself and that the people in the media and, and fans have on her. So that's a lot of pressure. And I don't think, you know, people give athletes a lot of credit for the way they handle the pressure of going day in and day out. I mean, we always see the end result. Yay, she won. Everybody's happy. But a lot of time, to be honest with you, winning is more of a relief of not failing and letting people down as it is a, an exuberation for how great you did. You know, I, I could think of a lot of games where we won and I was like, whew, gosh, thank goodness. You know what I'm saying? Right, <laughs> just right. Like, I've heard I'm just glad say we, that. You're more like, I'm glad we didn't lose as opposed to that I'm happy with, that we won. And it's, yeah. and it's because of all of the pressures that they have in sports. So. Right. So how can folks reach you on social media? Well, you know, it's the same thing, man, at erob 50 on Instagram and Twitter. All right. Well, we'll catch up with you soon. And I'm That's sure right, we have man. some and, stuff and, to talk and about. We didn't, and I'm, I'm a little disappointed because you didn't get not one Euro sport question, and there's a lot of things going on. So, you know, in the next call, I'm about to double you up Are with you the cycling. <laughs> I'll be one. prepared. I haven't brushed <laughs> it, up. It's, it's almost time for the Tour de France, so you're about to get daily reports. So <laughs> just be ready. Be ready. I'll be ready. I'm going to brush <laughs> up next time. Hey, man, we, right. we appreciate you. Okay. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. want to thank Eddie, as always, and uh, we enjoy his expertise and his feedback on just about anything. Although, he was a NFL veteran. I think he was wrong about Julio Jones, but you can give him your take, our take uh, on that. Hit him up on social media at erob50. So, uh, yeah, shout him out and let him know you heard him. So, with that, it's time for... The Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player, team, entity, someone in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the big dummy or big dummies of the episode. So there's certain folks who come up again and again, either for getting criticized on a podcast or actually earning a Lamont Award. I don't know if Floyd has or hasn't. I know recently I've been on a rant. I don't know if I've done it on the podcast or just on the radio or in life, uh, but he has taken to fighting YouTubers. So he's decided to take on Logan Paul. Now, I don't know who this dude is, but apparently he has billions of followers. I mean, just he's a YouTuber, so that's just what they do. But nonetheless, uh, he, Floyd is going to fight him in an exhibition fight. Now, Floyd, here's a little bit of the tale of the tape. Floyd, 44 years old. He hadn't had a real fight since he fought an MMA guy. He just, he's, it's a clown show with him now, and it, it's really damaging his, well, his legacy, if you want to say that. But it's also damaging the world of boxing, the sport of boxing, if that's possible. But I think it is. Just think, this is a mockery. This is crazy. And I know it's an exhibition bout. But he's 44 years old. He retired 50 and 0 as a boxer. Lloyd Paul, Logan Paul, I can't even remember his name. He's 0-1 in his only professional fight. So the state of Florida wouldn't sanction this fight. So so let me see. Let me let me continue though on with the teletape. Floyd fought at 147 to 154. That's what he fought at. Logan Paul is 199 pounds because of the discrepancy in weight and age and experience. Florida wouldn't sanction the bout. So there won't be any judges. 
but they can have knockouts. So, and they're using, what, uh, 10-ounce gloves or whatever. So in Florida, you can do just about anything you want to do. Florida is Florida for a reason. Florida's always in the news for something crazy. And you can do anything in Florida as long as you don't have on a mask and as long as you're not a transgender girl trying to play high school volleyball. <laughs> and if you know current events, you know what I'm talking about. But even Florida won't sanction this bout. It's an exhibition, and it's $49.99 to buy. So my big dummies, and I say plural, are all the people, not all, I'll say 95%. Let's say 5% of these people just love Floyd, and they just want to support Floyd because they're from Grand Rapids, or they just have something in common with Floyd. They just love, love, love Floyd. And everybody has those fans. They're going to ride with you. They don't care. If he was going to the corner store, they'd be riding with Floyd. That's that's 5%. But 95% of the people who pay for this. You're supporting and endorsing this sort of foolishness. They've already had some sort of incident where Logan Paul uh, snatched his cap. I mean, this is this is the one of the greatest champ, not in my opinion, but consensus, 50-0, and 0, one of the greatest champs in the history of boxing. And this, this is what you're doing. You're worth a gazillion dollars, or you have been. Maybe you've run through. I don't know. I don't, I'm not trying to get in your pockets. But you should be well off, and you shouldn't have to or want to do this. You're denigrating the sport of boxing, and if you support this and you pay forty nine ninety five, or and and we know the ESPN is going to provide wall to wall coverage, but if you do this and you support this foolishness, you all are big dummies. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I don't go after the listener audience very often, but you cannot pay for this. You shouldn't even bootleg this. Come on, y'all. We we have to stop this man from this kind of foolishness. No, I'm not going to give you free money to fight a YouTube guy. We're not doing this. Now, you can fight the ghost of Kimbo Slice. You want to do that? I'll pay for that. But you shouldn't pay for this. No, don't do this. Rest in peace, by the way, Kimbo Slice. But I'm just saying, like, no, don't endorse this foolishness. Let Floyd, go do something else. Sing or something. Do something to make money. Not this. Not to my beloved boxing that's all but dead. There's that. So, with that, before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, I want to thank Kalina. I want to thank my man, Eddie Robinson. I want to thank our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. I want to thank our sponsors. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. I want to remind you, give us a call, 832-941-6614. With your thoughts and some NBA stuff, Astros talk, baseball, whatever's on your mind, 832-941-6614. Go to LiberaPay, L-I-B-E-R-A-P-A-Y, and search for Sports Talk with Devin Wade and make a contribution to the podcast. You can do that. That's really, really appreciated. In addition to that, uh, check us out on social media at Wade's Word on Twitter and the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group. Hey, thanks, guys, so much. Certainly appreciate it. And as always, remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. <laughs> This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.